In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today, we'll study chapter 16 from the Gospel of Saint John, starting from verse 16 to the end of the chapter. The Lord started by saying, a little while and you will not see me and again a little while and you will see me because I go to the Father so the first time when he said a little while and you will not see me the time here referred to the time between the moment of which he was speaking to them until his death on the cross. As you know, chapter 16 is one of the three chapters. We call them the chapters of Paraclete, chapter 14, 15, 16. Then chapter 17 is the final prayer. And usually we read these four chapters in the first hour of the eve of Good Friday. Because after the Lord gave them the, his body and his blood, the Eucharist, then the Lord actually started speaking with them in the upper room. Then he said to them, let us arise and go from here. Uh, when he said this, actually all of them left the upper room and went to the Mount Olive. And he continued his speech with them. All this was very late on Thursday night. And after he finished the discourse with them, he went to Gethsemane where he got arrested. So, this dialogue in chapter 16 happened on Thursday night, uh, one night actually before less than 24 hours before his death on the cross. So when the Lord told them a little while and you will not see me, this little while here, he is referring to the moment of his speaking to them and his death which actually occurred after a very short time. Then he told them, and again a little while, and you will see me. The time here, the second time when he said, again a little while, is the interval between uh, after he resurrected from death on Sunday. So he told them, and a little while you will see me. So after my resurrection, you will see me until I ascend to the Father. So after three days, he would rise again and appear to them. And during these 40 days, they will see him until he goes to the Father. The Lord used this term a little while in the discourse seven times. In order to tell them that any time here on earth is considered little while. 
He wanted to elevate them above the limitation of time and to enjoy the eternal time, the eternity. So you will suffer here for a little while. It's a little while if you compare it with the eternal glory. People will hate you for a little while if you compare this with eternal glory. So that's why he repeated the word a little while for seven times. And he told them, and you will see me because I go to the Father, so you're going to see me only between the time of resurrection and ascension. After this, I will go to the Father. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And because I go to the Father. And they said, therefore, What is this that he says? A little while. We do not know what he is saying. So they were confused about a little while you will not see me, little while you will see me. Clearly they were very uh, confused. And they questioned among themselves what he meant by saying they would not see him, then they would see him. This was beyond their comprehension and seems to be contradictory. You cannot see me now, but you will see me later. And in verse 12, in the same chapter, the Lord told them, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You cannot bear them means you cannot understand them now. So this confusion proved actually our Lord Jesus Christ's point when he had said he had many things to say to them, but they cannot understand. So they did not understand what he meant by little while. Verse 19. Now Jesus knew that they desired to ask it him. And he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said a little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me? So the Lord, he knew what's going on in their hearts. So he told them, are you confused? Now you want to know what do I mean by this? And he started to explain to them, that's why in verse 29, the disciples, after they understood him, his disciples said to him, see, now you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. So apparently, the Lord Jesus Christ's explanation made them to understand. They told him, uh, you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. So why he was speaking mysteriously like this? To get their attention. And then they will start uh, inquiring what do you mean by a little while and then a little while? 
And inquiry is considered the first step toward the knowledge. So when he's, he was speaking in mysterious way, he actually triggered their excitement and they now they want to know what he meant by this. Uh, and the Lord was able to read this spirit of inquiry in their hearts. That's why he started to answer them. They were confused about two things, about little while and also about going to the Father. So their confusion was clearly about two things, as we, we read in verse 19, uh, sorry, in verse 17, what is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me and again a little while and you will see me that's the first inquiry second inquiry and because I go to the father so they didn't understand what he meant by a little while and a little while and also about I am going to the father and the Lord actually answered these two points and this is a proof of the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. He knows all things. He knows even what's going inside their heart, the secret inside their heart. Uh, so he doesn't know only the whispering of the disciples and their inquiry among themselves, but also he can know for sure the secret desires inside their heart. Verse 20, he started answering them. Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. It's clear here that the Lord did not answer them in a very clear way. For example, he did not tell them, tomorrow I will die, then I will be laid in the tomb for three days, and on Sunday I will rise again. So the first little while after death, second little while after I rose. Although he mentioned this many, many times to them before, he told them several times, the Son of Man is going to Jerusalem, and they will arrest him, and they will kill him, and on the third day he rose from the dead. So he mentioned this several times. But the question, why he also answered this question by saying, you will be sorrowful, you will weep and lament, but you will rejoice. Because this answer actually is a kind of prophecy. Prophecy not only about his crucifixion and his resurrection, but prophecy working until now. Here on earth, 
we will weep and lament, but then we will rejoice, and God will turn our sorrow into joy. And as I said, he often explained to them clearly that he will die, and on the third day he will rise again, but they refused to understand. So, here he is saying to them, you will weep and lament at my crucifixion, at my suffering and my death. And the world will rejoice. The world here means the wicked men of the world. The world will rejoice because the world actually will consider at the moment of his death and crucifixion that they got rid of him. And they succeeded in killing the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and we can see here how the world rejoice over the deed of blood. They rejoice when they kill an innocent person. But all this rejoicing of the world is just a little while. But, and, and again, the Lord reaffirmed that their grief will be just for a little while. But then your sorrow will be turned into joy. Why? Because you will see me. After my resurrection, you will see me. And we read actually in the Gospel of John after his resurrection when he appeared to them, we read, and the disciples rejoiced greatly when they saw the Lord. So, their greatest calamity would be to them finally the source of the highest joy and the highest uh, comfort. Then he gives them illustration to understand what he meant. In verse 21 he told them, a woman when she is in labor has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So this actually illustration of childbearing is a common illustration in the scripture used by many prophets like Isaiah, uh, in, in 21, 26, 66, Jeremiah 4 and Jeremiah 22 and Jeremiah 30, Hosea chapter 13, Micah chapter 4. So this was a very uh, common illustration. And here the Lord Jesus Christ is using the same illustration how woman in labor, actually she is in pain, sorrow, suffering. But after the baby is born, she is so happy that she has given birth to a child. So the memory of pain seems nothing when she compares these moments of pain to the joy of having a child. In the same way, the hour of their suffering and pain is very close, is at hand, but it will pass away. And the fullness of joy would come in the constant presence of the Lord when the Lord see them 
and they see the Lord, then actually they will enjoy the fullness of joy. So their sorrow is just temporary, but their joy is permanent. And the point of comparison between their state right now and the familiar illustration of women in labor is the passage from extreme suffering to extreme joy. So, as the woman crying in extreme pain during labor, it turned from extreme suffering into extreme joy. So he told them, you will be in the same way, from extreme suffering to extreme joy. St. John Chrysostom said, he mentioned that example to make clear the temporary sorrow and the permanent joy and that the benefit gained from the Savior is great. So yes, now you will suffer, but this suffering will turn into joy. Verse 22, Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. It will be permanent joy because of my presence with you. So, the occasional appearances of the Lord Jesus Christ between the resurrection and the ascension helped them in a wonderful way to recognize the fact that he was ever watching them even after his ascension he will continue to watch over them and he is at their side at all the circumstances of human life. No one will take your joy away from me. Verse 23, and in that day, which day? He spoke before actually in verse 16 from the same chapter that he is going to the Father. Now he answered actually the first part about little while and little while. Now he is going to answer the second part of their inquiry because I go to the Father. So in, the, in that day he means when he goes to the Father and uh, the Father will send them the Pentecost. So the time here referred to is actually the time of the gift of Paraclete after his ascension when actually the Holy Spirit descend upon them. And the Holy Spirit when he comes he will fully illuminate them and they shall not need to ask the meaning of any thought because they will learn from the Holy Spirit. That's why he told them, in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. You will ask me nothing. You will not ask me to explain. You will be illuminated by the Holy Spirit. Assuredly, most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. 
Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Some commentators actually say that the name of Christ is not only the medium by which the disciples approach the Father, but also it is the medium through which we receive the gifts that bestowed on us. So, in order for our prayer to be accepted before the Father, should be in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when God the Father answers our prayer, it will be given to us also through the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we pray in His name, this actually makes certain that our prayers will be answered. In, uh, in the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, if you read it in Matthew chapter 6, you will find it goes like this. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. But the church added in Christ Jesus our Lord. So now when we, we pray, we pray like this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, in Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine the king. Many people ask why you added this sentence in order for our prayers to be in Jesus' name as he asked us when you speak to the Father, ask in my name. And not only Lord's Prayer, but all our prayers, like example, uh, let's give thanks. When we concluded by the grace, compassion, and love of mankind, that's again in Jesus' name. Almost all our prayers end and are concluded by in Jesus' name. Uh, then he told them in verse 24, Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. They did not ask anything in his name, because they did not receive yet the Holy Spirit. Uh, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will be at the presence of Christ dwelling in them. As Christ was dwelling with them, the Holy Spirit will be dwelling in them. And under the influence of the Holy Spirit, our will will be the will of Christ. Our thoughts will be the thought of Christ. Our prayers will be the prayers of Christ. So when we pray, we are praying in Jesus' name. As St. Paul said, we have the mind of Christ. Uh, so until now, as if he's saying, the, uh, you have not yet known me to pray in my name. Your knowledge is impaired until now. That's why you are not asking in my name. But on that day, in the day of Pentecost, it will be otherwise, and you will pray in my name. But when you told them, ask in the present time, in the present time, and you will receive. So, with the eye, with the prophetic eye, the future is thought of as already present. 
And now they are directed to ask, as though they had already entered into the new region of spiritual life, as if the Holy Spirit came upon them, as if today is the day of Pentecost. And he told them, ask, and you shall receive, and that your joy may be full. He just spoke to them about you will weep and lament about the pain of the present time. But this pain and suffering is passing away. Then they will experience the fullness of joy. So the fullness of joy is at hand. St. Augustine said, the words that follow, until now you have asked nothing in my name, may have two meanings. Either that you have not asked in my name because until now you have not known my name as you should. That's the first meaning. The second meaning, you have asked nothing compared to what you should have asked. You ask earthly things. You are not seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So you ask nothing serious you ask it nothing major in my name. What you ask it for in my name may be considered actually as nothing in, in the eyes of God. You ask nothing in my name. Verse 25. Those things I've spoken to you in figurative language. When you told them little while you cannot see me, then you will see me. Then he is, he is explaining why he is speaking in a figurative language. These things I have spoken to you in a figurative language. But the time is coming when the Holy Spirit descends upon you. When I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. And we read actually in Acts chapter 1 that 40 days... He was speaking to them about the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Between his resurrection and ascension, he spoke to them plainly about the Father and about the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Then when the Holy Spirit descended upon them, actually the Holy Spirit taught them many mysteries and how they can understand the Old Testament in the light of the New Testament. So when we see St. Paul trying to explain to us justification, um, how person is just sanctification, how we are sanctified, the redemption, the atonement. Many people say St. Paul made all of this from his mind. No, he did not make it up. He did not make it up. The Lord explained all these things plainly from his resurrection until his ascension. And then the Holy Spirit enlightened the mind of the apostles. So they wrote to us all these explanations that were figurative, were mysterious to us in the Old Testament. So when he said, these things are spoken, it can apply to all Christ's teaching, of which there was much, which multitude were not allowed. So many times, you remember when Peter said the Lord, did you say this parable to us or to the multitude? So something the Lord said to the disciples only, 
and other things he said to everybody. But even to the apostles, he was speaking to them in parables and in a figurative language. The apostles were not able to understand at the time many things of what he told them. So the disciples did not understand the teaching of Christ until the Holy Spirit brought all things which he had said to them to the mind. And the Holy Spirit quickened their mind to understand and to grasp the meaning of the teaching of Christ. St. Augustine interprets the time here as meaning the future when we see God face to face. So, when he said, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language. There are three meanings about when this time could be. The time is coming. Can be in the second coming of Christ, when things will be clearer and clearer, this is according to St. Augustine, or can be between his resurrection and ascension, or after the descent of the Holy Spirit. So St. Augustine said the time here, in the second coming of Christ, when we see God face to face. As St. Paul also said, for now we see in a mirror, dimly. But then, when we go to eternity, face to face, Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. St. John Chrysostom said, As though the Lord Jesus Christ said to them, At my resurrection you will understand all my word perfectly. So St. Augustine said the time is coming about eternity. John Chrysostom said about resurrection. I tell you plainly about the Father. Tell you plainly about the Father. That is the third meaning, the descent of the Holy Spirit. By pouring forth His Spirit upon them, who should not only take, the Lord said about the Spirit, He will take from what is mine and give to you. And as we explain, when the Lord said, takes of what's mine, not only taking, of what belongs to Christ, but also of what belongs to the Father, and show them clearly and plainly, as they should have, now they should have clear understanding of the Father and of the Son by the work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 26, In that day, you will ask in you will ask in my name and i do not say to you that i shall pray the father for you he just told them until now you did not ask anything in my name but when the holy spirit come upon you and you will be enlightened and that day you will ask in my name and i don't say to you that i shall pray the father for you so when the holy spirit came upon them, they not only received the gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, and had 
a larger measure of his grace bestowed upon them, but also they were blessed by the Holy Spirit to dwell in them, the spirit of grace and supplication. And the Holy Spirit makes intercession on our behalf as we read in Romans chapter 8. But what did the Lord mean by saying, I will not pray for you? What he meant by, I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you? What he means by him? Of course, the Lord Jesus Christ is still the only mediator between man and God. We cannot approach God the Father without the Son. And anything we receive from God the Father is also through the Son. But now the Lord is telling them, you love me and you believe in me, which actually, because of your love to me, and you believe in me, you are united with me. Then, now you have access to the Father directly, because you abide in me, and I abide in you. So, the result here is perfect mediation between man and God. When he told them, I will not ask the Father for you, as if we are here, and the, uh, we are here and the Father is here, and Jesus asking the Father for us. He said, no, the situation will not be like this. But you will be in me. I will be in you and you will be in me. And because you are in me and I am the Father, then you will be in the Father also. As he told them, the Father and me will come and make our dwelling place in your heart. That's what he meant. Uh, In that day, I don't say to you that I ask the Father for you. I don't say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. Because there is no reason to ask the Father concerning them. All has been asked and answered through the cross and through entering into the heaven of heavens by his own blood. The intercession is complete. And now we are standing before the Father in the Son. The whole world will have reconciled the Father with his children, with us. So he doesn't need to make another sacrifice or another intercession for us. As if he is saying, by my incarnation, I established a bond of union with mankind. And now, while I'm leaving the world and returning to the Father, this bond will continue between me and mankind and between you and the Father, because I am the Father and the Father is in me. So it is through our union with Christ that we have access to the union with the Father. So it is only when his hour is accomplished and his return is completed to the Father, the disciples will be in confidence that their prayer to the Father actually will be accepted as he promised. So now he explained them a little while and explained to them, I go to the Father. So because I go to the Father, you will be in me 
in front of the Father. That's why your joy will be full. And no one can take your joy away from me. And your prayers will be accepted. Verse 27, for the Father himself loves you. The Father loves us because we loved Jesus and we are one in Jesus. Because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. And our Lord is leading them to the, full, to the full truth of spiritual communion with God. As if he is saying, the Father himself needs no petition to do for your good. The Father, he loves you. And he graciously wills to save you to the uttermost. Because you have loved me and believed in me as I am coming from the Father. Believed that I am the Son of God and came to the world for the salvation of the world. When he said, I came forth from the Father, this actually proves also his divinity. As if he's saying, I came from the Father with whom I existed from eternity in glory. I came to the world by his incarnation. And I leave the world by my death. I go to the Father, that is uh, through my uh, ascension. So these four sentences, I came forth from the Father. First sentence, second sentence, have come into the world. Third sentence, I leave the world. Fourth sentence, go to the Father. These four sentences actually contain the whole economy of our salvation. And actually summing up all our Christian faith in these four sentences. Because the Son, who is one essence with the Father, was born into the world and suffered and died. Then he rose from the dead and ascended to the heaven and returned to the Father. That's actually our creed. Verse 28, I came forth from the Father, that's his incarnation, have come into the world to save the world. Again, I leave the world. When I die, then I will rise again and go to the Father. Apparently, the disciples understood, uh, maybe connected what he told them about, he will be delivered to the hand of men, they crucify him, and then they will uh, he will rise again the third day. So they understood the parable and the illustration of woman in, in labor. That's why after they were confused, in verse 29, his disciples said to, them, to him, see, now you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Now understand everything. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this, we believe that you came forth from God. So the disciples actually were very happy that they finally understood. Uh, so as if some beams of light came into their mind and things start to be clearer in their mind 
and they understood what he said. So they told him, now we are sure that you know all things. They think that the day has already come. When he told them, in that day, in that day. They thought that that day already had come. And you, shouldn't, you, you, you don't need anybody to question you. So we will not ask you anything. Now we know everything. And you know also all things. And you communicated to us the whole truth. Uh, the idea in their mind does not embrace the full range of human inquiry, nor the depth of uh, divinity, but only all things which are in their heart to ask. When he said to the, when they said to him, "You know all things. You know all things. All things in their mind, in their mind. All things that that." we want to ask you about. Not the depth of the divinity and not the depth of the humanity. But in reality, the time of perfect plainness was yet to come. We will wait until the second coming of Jesus. But having caught just a glimpse of his meaning, they actually expressed their satisfaction and as if they understood everything. Uh, and they told him before that we believe that you came from the Father. They, they, they believed and confessed the, uh, the Son several times before. But we can see their development is growing, is de developing. So the first time when they say, yes, uh, we believe that he is the Messiah, like when Nathaniel and Philip, uh, Nathaniel said to the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe you are the Son of God. But this belief is developing. And they are enlightened on, on the go. Uh, so they found in his knowledge of their thoughts, because he knew what was in the secret of their heart, and the full solution which he gives to their difficulty, I will see you and you will rejoice, that solution to any difficulty, ground for a new faith. So now when they said, we believe this was the ground of this new step in their faith, new development in their faith. And upon this new proof of his divinity, they have a new faith in him. But the Lord, as if he wanted to tell them, don't be so excited. You did not develop your faith to the extent that you are saying, now you are speaking plainly. That's why in verse 31 he told them, Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, has come now. That you will be scattered. In few minutes, when they arrest me, all of you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet, I am not alone, because the Father is with me. 
So, as if the Lord is telling them, are you going to continue in this faith? Now you are saying you are fully convinced that I am uh, the Son of God and I came to save the world. But will you, in the hour of trial, retain your conviction and prove that you will be faithful and steady? Uh, as if the Lord told them, examine your heart. Examine your heart carefully. Uh, the disciples supposed that they had unshaken faith. Faith that will endure every trial. Do you remember Peter when he told him, I am willing to die with you? And the Lord told him, you will deny me three times tonight. So the Lord told them that they were about to go through scenes that will test their faith. And all of them will need their confidence in God. He knew what lay ahead and how would they react to his arrest and crucifixion. Peter will deny, Mark will uh, escape naked, Every, all the disciples will run away. So he affirmed that they would all desert him and be scattered in the hour of difficulty before them. But the Father would be with him, so he will not be alone. Uh, because his, father, his life is a constant communion with the Father from eternity to eternity. Then, the last verse of this chapter, verse 33, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. I told you what will happen, and you will weep and lament, and then you will rejoice. I told you all these things that you have peace in me. And I'm repeating, I'm summarizing all what I told you in this chapter. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So, at the conclusion, he sums up in a single thought what the object of all this discourse, that we will have peace only in him. <coughs> because that is the end, chapter 15, the prayer. So that is the end of the discourse. In the world, yes, we will face tribulation. But all this tribulation and even the world was conquered by the Lord Jesus Christ. So in him, we can conquer the world. And this will not interrupt, all this tribulation will not interrupt our true peace in him. So he just told them, you will leave me alone, and yet I'm not alone, because the Father is with me. In the same way, you will face troubles and tribulation, but you will not be alone. I will be with you, and I have overcome the world, so you will overcome the world in me, and you will have your own peace. So the true life is that which is in communion with God through Jesus Christ. 
And that's one of never failing peace. My peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. No one will take your joy away from you. No tribulation can ever affect or take the joy or the peace away from our heart. So the tone of these last words in which we hear the triumph and victory of our Lord Jesus Christ reminded them with all his uh, promises, promises of peace, courage, victory over all the evil and victory over the power of this world. And he concluded by saying, I have overcome the world. Now he is speaking of assured victory, as though it's already accomplished. I have overcome the world. As already, he already accomplished this. And this is the reason why they should take courage and be of good cheer. Be happy, be joyful. I have overcome the world. Because Jesus is the captain of our salvation and he has already won the victory. The enemies that we fear, the world in which we'll have tribulation, all these things were taken captive by the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, Christ triumphantly claims the victory and in his victory, all of us, we conquer the world. This concludes actually chapter 16 and concludes the uh, discourse of our Lord Jesus Christ on Covenant Thursday. Uh, and chapter 17 is the final prayer before his arrest. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. 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 Amen.